We're going to eventually make our way through verses 2 down to 8, but we're going to start off in verse number 8. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse number 8. If you struggle with that, just get the book of Proverbs and then book to the right as Ecclesiastes, and then after that you'll find Song of Solomon, chapter 5 and verse number 8. We're diving into the middle of an epic love story. Solomon and his favorite wife understand the culture was different, so we have to account for that as we read the verses. But this was the one. This was the wife that Solomon, of course, had many, but of all the wives he had, this was his greatest love. Song of Solomon 5, we're right in the middle of a bit of a tiff, where the husband and the wife, this is Solomon and that, his love, his, his bride, they, there was an attempt by the man to come close, and she shunned that. The man is pulled away, and now you're going to see the woman is in distress. We're not preaching this morning about marriage, but by the way, there's a lot in this about marriage. But let me remind you that as we read these verses, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. So when we read about a husband and wife in the Bible, especially here in this book, You're not only reading about two historical figures, you're reading about the Lord Jesus Christ and His bride. And if I can narrow that down, if you're saved this morning, you are His beloved. You are in the beloved. You are in this loving covenant relationship, properly referred to as a marriage with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to see yourself in the story. In verse number 8, the woman has been out looking for her husband. She cannot find him. In verse 8, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if ye find my beloved, that ye tell him that I am sick of love. And with that being said, let's bow our heads. Let's pray together and ask for God's help on this. Please, Father... I believe you've already met with us. My heart has been ministered to through the singing, through the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Father, for this special day. And Lord, I'm asking that you'd please come down. Um, Lord, knock at the door. We want to open to you quickly and say, please come in, sup with us and us with you. Speak to our hearts and Lord, might you stir in our hearts. Make us, as this woman has said, sick of love. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. They say, and I think rightfully so, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I think that's true, but it kind of depends on the person who went missing. (laughs) Right? Sometimes absence is a blessing, and (laughs) you think, thank God that person's gone. But sometimes you don't know how good of a thing you have until it's gone. Sometimes that little bit of time away gives you some perspective and it helps you remember just how special that other person is. And as I preach this morning, of course, yes, historically it's a husband and wife, but please understand everything today. I want to focus your attention directly and squarely on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think we understand just how precious it is to have Him in our lives. And I say that not as a condemnation, but simply because our human minds cannot comprehend how special it is that someone like Him would come down here and love someones like us. There is nothing in this life that lives up to, that can even come close to the moments when Jesus draws nigh to you and makes Himself real to you. There's, there's nothing. There's no other illustration. There's no other story. There's nothing comparable to it when God draws nigh to you. And it's, let me say that as you go through life, sometimes you're, you're going to walk 
with the Lord, you're going to be pleasing Him, and, and you're not going to have this overwhelming feeling. I don't want you to think that everything hangs on an overwhelming feeling, okay? It doesn't. Your Christian life is not going to be one long, overwhelmed feeling. A loving relationship with the Lord is going to involve several daily duties and things that you would do as a couple. Spending time with each other. Not every conversation is exciting. But you do it because you just like being around that person. There's nothing like those special moments that you have with the Lord. Things that you can look back on 20, 30 years in the past and say, I'll never forget that day when the Lord showed up and just made Himself real to me. There's nothing like it when He does that. And let me also say, there's nothing like it when the Lord hides His face. It's hard to put words to that. The desperation of the soul. And, and sometimes we don't even realize He's gone missing. Until something happens in our life and gets our attention and we turn expecting Him to be right there. And even though... In a doctrinal sense, we know that He lives within us. If you're born again, He lives in you. He dwells in you. He can never leave you, never forsake you. But the manifested presence, the recognition of Him being right there, it's not as real as it once was. And even though you know He won't leave you, it seems as if He's hiding His face from you. And, and there's nothing I can say to properly express just how desperate that feeling is. This woman expresses it like this. The man is drawn nigh, as we're going to see in verses 2 down to 5. The man is, has tried to come close to her. She did not react properly. Now she's gone out looking for him, and she realizes what an opportunity she missed. And it has rekindled in her heart that overwhelming love for her husband. So she tells her friends, these daughters of Jerusalem... If you see him, deliver this message. I am sick of love. Now I know the way we use that phrase, I'm sick of something, means I don't want to deal with it anymore, right? I'm tired of it. That is the exact opposite of what this actually means. We would probably say, I'm lovesick. I'm lovesick. That is to say, you're overwhelmed to the point of not being able to function properly. Your head just isn't clear because all you can think about is that person. You older folks in the room, do you remember when you first met that person you would eventually fall in love with? Remember those first few weeks or months? You'd go to work or you'd go to school and every waking moment it seemed that that person was on your mind. And, and let me say that as marriage goes on, you're still going to have some of those moments where it feels like you're falling back in love all over again. And that's wonderful, that's part of it. And the same is true with the Lord. Sometimes you just need to be reminded of how special it is that He is in your life. And sometimes that happens by Him pulling away a little bit. And saying, now just let me remove my presence a little bit. I, he's, he's living in your heart, but you don't feel it. You don't recognize it. And when He pulls away and creates a little bit of distance, all of a sudden it rekindles that love and you say, oh my goodness, I took it for granted. But, but listen, it's not only then that we can become sick of love, that we, we get overwhelmed by it. But look at chapter 2, Song of Solomon 2. This phrase is used again here. Look with me please at verse number 3. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight and his fruit was sweet to my taste. I, I sat down at the feet of Jesus and, and I, I ate what he was feeding me. I, I accepted what he was offering me and it was sweet. It says not that it was a delight, but a great delight. Verse 4, He brought me to the banqueting house. Say, where's that? You're sitting in it. He brought me to the banqueting house and His banner 
over me was love. It wasn't happy birthday. It wasn't happy anniversary. It was love. He brings you in here to tell you and remind you of how madly in love with you he is. Well, when that hits you, it's overwhelming. It's hard to think about the problems at work or at home or the problems in the government or somewhere in the Middle East or the health issues or the finances. It's hard to even think about that when Jesus shows up and says, Here, I've prepared the banqueting house. This is all for you just to remind you of how much you mean to me. Verse number 5, the woman responds, Stay me with flagons. Stabilize me. This, this hit me hard. This knocked her back. Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. She said, I'm overwhelmed, I can't even think straight. Somebody like him loves somebody like me? Can this be true? That he really cares that much about me? That he went through all this effort to prepare this just for me? Didn't Jesus say, in my Father's house are many mansions? If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is preparing that banqueting house in the sky. And when you enter in heaven, the banner over that will be love. And He'll say, come here, let me show you what I've been working on just for you. When those thoughts hit home, when the Lord is nigh, it's overwhelming. And, and, and all you can say is, I, I don't want this to stop. I'm, stay me. Stabilize me right here. I, I want to live in this. Now see, tomorrow you're going to have to get up and go to work or go to school, write the exam. You're going to have to take on the challenges of life. And that's why you need some of these moments where the Lord just shows up and says, hey, I want to remind you of how I feel about you. And by the way, can I ask, how do you feel about me? Are you still sick of love? Does it still grip your heart? Let me give you the New Testament way I think of saying this. Paul said, for the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ constrains us. What does it do? It lassos your heart and pulls on it. The Bible says He draws us with cords of love. Did you know the Apostle Paul not one time in the New Testament said, I love the Lord? Did you know that? Not one time does he ever say, I love the Lord. I don't doubt that he did. But not one time does he say it. You know what he says all, all the time? The Lord loves me. The Lord loves me. Why emphasize the Lord's love for us? Because we love Him... Because He first loved us. And if you can get back to that first love, it will cause you to fall back in love with the Lord. Remembering what brought you to Him was that manifested love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sometimes we just need to be reminded and let His love grip our heart. And then we say, where is He? I've taken Him for granted. Hey, if you see Him, please, if, if you happen to see Him before I do, please tell Him, I want that sweetness back. I want to sit under the shadow of His apple tree. I want to go back to the banqueting house where I met Him last, the last time I was sick of love. I want to get back to that. Tell him, tell him that he's pulled away and it has reminded me of how much I want him and need him. There's a pattern that develops in the book of Song of Solomon. Let me just point it out to you quickly. I think there's two things that are interesting to observe. Number one, you'll see it throughout the book. The man draws close to the woman. The woman is difficult and disinterested eventually gives in, they spend good time together, everything is lekker lekker, and then the woman will pull away. And the man will come searching for her again and try to 
Persuade her, please, let's have time. Why aren't we taking this time? And eventually, she gives in, and it's wonderful. And then she'll pull away. And, the, and over and over again, that's how it works in, in the book. Have you noticed that in your spiritual life? Where the Lord will draw nigh and eventually we just drift off. And then the Lord comes out and we drift off. I, th- I think there's a lesson to be learned in this book by that. But let me tell you another thing you find in the book. Oh, by the way, before I leave that point, by the end of the book, the woman does figure it out and stops pulling away. Just thought I'd put that in there. <laughs> you can break the cycle of backsliding. The woman finally does figure it out and starts seeking after him. I, I just want you to know that. One other thing I found interesting about this book, three times in the book you have a description from the man about the woman. Three times the husband describes the wife. You can see, it may be a quick example, in chapter 4, verse 1, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. Thy hair is as a flock of goats. I'm not sure that's a compliment. Maybe in Jewish culture that was a good thing. (laughs) Baby, you look like a goat. (laughs) Now, now, I mean, to be the goat is the greatest of all time. I don't know, maybe you can go there, but anyway... (laughs) Verse 2, thy teeth are like a flock of sheep that are even shorn, which came up from the washing, whereof every one bare twins. None is barren among them. What a compliment, baby. You got all your teeth. (laughs) Hey, whatever floats your boat, right? (laughs) My point is this. man will take time to describe his wife from head to toe. Three times in the book. Three times. You know how many times the wife describes the husband? Just once. It's in chapter 5. Look at verse 9. What is thy beloved more than another beloved, O thou fairest among women? What is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? Why are you so sick of love? What's so great about him? Verse 10. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among ten thousand. His head is this, his eyes are that, his cheeks are this, his hands, his legs. Verse 16. His mouth is most sweet. Praise God. His words, they thrill my soul. His mouth is most sweet, yea, He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Three times He describes her, one time she describes Him. This tells me something. He is more interested in us than we are in Him. He looks at us and counts the hairs on our head and has them all numbered. He is extremely interested in you. And yet, what does it take for Him to get your attention? The Bible says, seek the Lord. Seek His strength. Seek His face continually. Can you describe it for us? Can you tell us what it feels like to wrap your arms around His feet? Can you tell us what it feels like to lay your head on His bosom? Do you know what it feels like to throw your arms around Him and He around you? There ought to be some time and attention given to Him. We read in the book of Revelation where Jesus rebuked a church for leaving its first love. You guys remember that? Church of the Ephesians? He said, I have something against you. You've left your first love. And He commanded them to remember from whence they had fallen to repent and to do the first works. Do you remember when you couldn't go a day without hearing from Him? Do you remember that? Do you remember when you actively sought His face? When you got down to pray and it wasn't just going through the motions, but you genuinely wanted to see Him? Do you remember those times that He has showed up and revealed Himself to you? Jesus said, if you want to get back to your first love, you remember from whence you're fallen. The idea here and what we're hoping to accomplish by looking at these verses is to reignite that longing that you have for intimacy with the Lord. To get you back to that point where you can honestly say, I am sick of love and will stop at nothing until I find my beloved. I want to draw nigh to Him. I want to enjoy Him. Let me take you through the passage 
and point out a few things as we go. Beginning in verse number 2, verse 1 actually tells us about this wonderful time they've had together, and now the woman has again, she is apart from her husband. Verse 2, I sleep, but my heart waketh. And what does that mean? How can you be asleep, but your heart be awake? Haven't you ever been half in, half out of it? Haven't we? I mean, we're all there at some point, right? When we're waking up and we know that something's going on around us, but we're just not quite sure. H- haven't you been there? In the middle of the night, when you start hearing sounds, and, and especially in South Africa, that piques our attention. You start hearing noises outside and somebody fiddling with the lock, you start to wonder. The woman admits, I, I was sleeping, but I, something tells me Something tells me that there's something important happening. So she's not all there. She's not really registering everything at the moment. So it's going to take her a few minutes to kind of find her feet and, 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 and figure out what is going on. And I think a lot of Christians are well described by that. They've been spiritually asleep for a while now. And when God starts moving and trying to get their attention, they're not quite sure what's going on. They just think, okay, I know something's happening. I can feel something stirring. Something in here. I can feel something. My heart is awake, but my, my spiritual senses are not exercised to properly discern everything else that God's trying to show me. I know this sermon probably should be speaking to me, but I'm not quite sure why it's not. And I don't mean just today's. I'm talking about on a regular basis. I should be getting more out of reading my Bible and praying. I'm not sure why I'm not. And you're kind of half in, half out. I think a good word for it would be lukewarm. I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh. So she's not quite sure everything that's going on around her, but one thing she recognizes, that's my beloved outside knocking at the door. Now he must have been saying something as well. The voice of my beloved that knocketh. How can we not think about Revelation chapter 3 at this point? Where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Jesus in Revelation 3 is knocking at the door of a church, but he is waiting for an individual to open the door so that he can fellowship with that individual. One individual getting stirred up to go to the door and open it will not allow the entire church to have that same fellowship. The one who gets up and goes to the door will have the pleasure of supping with him and Jesus with that person. Here we have an illustration of it. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. In Afrikaans, I believe you say this is trutulnama. Trutulnama. Terms of endearment, sweet little names we give our spouse. In my home, now this, please don't think you need to apply this by any means, but whenever I say to my wife, yes, dear, oh, that's not a good thing. De- dear, in other senses, is nice, but, but not, she knows when I say dear, something's wrong. But when I'm saying honey, I'm being sweet. So that's been my truthful nom with her for years is honey. In Malawi, the word for honey is uchi. So as I, in public, I would call her honey. And the Malawians, when we lived there, because we were there for nine years, I would say honey this and honey that. And they'd say, ah, Brother Mike, why do you call her honey? I said, well, that's, that's our, like a nickname, like a bay nom, a pet name, you know, that kind of thing. Ah, honey. honey. And then I learned the word for it, uchi. So I can rightfully say she is my uchi mama. <laughs> I just like to remind her of that, right, from time to time. 
I'm allowed to call her Uchi Mama, not you. Please don't go to her with that name. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm the one madly in love with her. And she's sweet to me. Not to you. <laughs> because we've been together a while, you, you develop this closeness, these, these Vainama, these Trutulnama. It comes from spending time together. And it may not mean much to the next guy, but between her and I, it means something. And, and when Jesus shows up, He says, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. These come from spending time with Him. And He comes to you with, and, and reminds you of truth that exists between you and Him. Well, you're going to see in the passage that she doesn't respond well to her husband. And you may think, well, the Lord, why would He show up and say all these nice things to me? How could the Lord show up and call me such sweet names like this? Because, friend, if you have been washed in the blood of Christ, you are undefiled. You are loved. You are something special and precious and gentle and delicate. You are His dove. Something that he wraps his hands around and he handles gently. That is true because <clears throat> you are saved. And Jesus at any point can show up and save that to a law, say these things to a, a saved person. But let me, let me clarify, if you're not saved, Jesus can also show up and knock on your door. <clears throat> you know what he would say to you? I would love to call you this. Jesus comes and He knocks. He reminds you of how He feels about you. At the end of verse 2, watch this. For my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. That means, listen, the dew comes down and rests upon the grass just before. It's heaviest just before the sunrise. That means He has been traveling all night just to get to you. Just to find you. And, and He says, my locks, they're filled with the drops of the night. My head is filled with dew. He is outside. Who knows? How long has He been knocking? We don't know. How long has He been knocking at your door? I don't think any of us can answer that. Maybe you can narrow it down. But how long have you kept him waiting outside? Notice what he says. I found this interesting. In verse 2, Open to me, and then the trutulnama. Then he continues, Open to me, for my head is filled with dew. He says, Open to me, because I'm standing outside. He didn't say, Open to me, because I said sweet things to you. Open to me because it would be better for me to be inside than outside. Open to me because of the effort I've made. I've traveled all night. I've waited outside just for you. Open for my sake. The reason I think that is significant is because often we wait for the Lord to say something sweet and do something special in our life. And the, okay, okay, now that you've said nice things, and okay, I'll open the door. And he says, you go ahead and open the door because I've been waiting a while. And I've made a lot of effort to get to know you and to get close to you. Open because I don't belong outside. I should be closer. Verse number three, the woman's response. And I'm not sure if she said this out loud or if she thought this. Either way, the point remains. In verse three, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? I want you to notice this. I've circled it in my Bible. I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? Do you see the me, me, me? I, I, I. Do you see that? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? You know what she's thinking? 
It took me so long to get ready for bed. I don't know how it works in your house. When it's time to go to bed in my house, I can be ready in all of five seconds. You know what it takes for me to be ready? I'm tired. <laughs> now let's go to bed. <laughs> Boom, and then that's it. I can lay down. I'm done. Not my wife. And I'm not condemning her. You ladies, please have your ablutions. <laughs> Take your time. I don't quite understand 30, 45 minutes to get ready for bed. We're just going to bed, but hey, help yourself. Help yourself. I don't mind. So for me as a man, when I look at this and I think, okay, how hard is it to put your coat back on? How long could it possibly take to wash your feet? But I'm going to step back from that a little bit because I don't want to step on anybody's toes. If it takes you longer to get ready for bed, help yourself. That's not wrong. You're not sinning. Not at all. Help yourself. But, but, but here's the point I'm trying to draw from this. She took all this time to get ready for bed. And now she knows if I get back up, I'm going to have to go back through all those ablutions again to get ready for bed. And here's the word that springs to my mind. That would be incredibly inconvenient. That's going to take me extra time. I was already nice and comfortable in bed. I'm under the covers. This feels so right. And the Lord says, listen, I'd, I'd like a little extra time with you. You mind getting up just a few extra minutes early? W would you mind if I inconvenience you just a little bit? I, I know it's going to take you a few extra minutes to wash your feet again, to get dressed and then under... I, I know... But would you mind doing that for me? Because I, I didn't, when we talk about Jesus, He didn't travel all night. He traveled all the way from heaven down here for you. Is, is He asking too much to trouble you for just a little extra effort? Because if you are waiting for the convenient moment in your life so that you can take the things of God seriously, so that you can rush to the door, open it, and fall deeply in love with Him like you should be. If you're waiting for life to become convenient, friend, it won't happen. There will always be something to keep you in that bed, half in, half Loving the Lord is not a matter of convenience. It should be a matter of urgency. I remember when I was dating Christina, sometimes we'd get on the phone, sometimes 9 o'clock at night, our phone call would start, and before you know it, it's 3 in the morning. Teenagers, hang up the phone. <laughs> Go to bed. How many of you folks remember doing things like that when you were feeling that puppy love? All right, a few of you. When those good? Oh, oh! I, I saw a few. I, I saw a few of these instead of that. Okay, we got movement. We got movement at least. That's fine. We'll break it loose. We'll, we'll break it loose. How many of you have had this phone call? You hang up the phone. No, you hang up the phone. No, you. Hang up. Right? I mean, we look back at it. We think, oh, that is so goofy. And the men in the room are like, no, I never did that. Neachne. Oh, come on, yeah. <laughs> All right, Ulm. It was you. <laughs> it's okay. How about this one? I love you more. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. You had that one? Shine. Well, try it. <laughs> I remember Christina saying, I, I don't have time to meet with you. We can't go on a date. I have work. I would drive to her at 11 o'clock at night just to see her for five minutes. Just to be able to see her, hold her hand, tell her I love you. This is before we were married. Just five minutes. I would drive 45 minutes to get five minutes with her. That is the opposite of convenient. But it was my love. It was my undefiled. It was my uchi mama. 
<laughs> it's not a matter of convenience. It's a matter of love. Verse number four. My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door and my bowels were moved for him. Something began to stir in her heart deep in the seat of her emotions. She could feel that he was trying extra hard to reach her. He, and the way those doors would work, you could put your hand in and manipulate the lock to an extent from the outside. Now, if, it, if the door was locked properly, there's nothing you can do to get in. But from a human standpoint, if, if a couple of the latches weren't in place, you could move your hand inside and manipulate the lock. He's trying to do that. You know what I find interesting? The Lord will sometimes reach down into your heart deep. I mean, He, he knows which buttons to push to get your attention. Right? Because she's still in the bed. But he, she can hear, because you know how it is. If somebody's fiddling with your door, you can be in the bed on the other side of the house, but you know somebody's wiggling that doorknob, trying to get in. And she can hear that he is going the extra mile now, not just knocking, but can hear him trying to move the lock. You know what I find so interesting about this? He couldn't get the door open. You say, can God make a rock so big he can't pick it up? Sure he did. It's your heart. Your heart can get so hard he can't move it. He puts his hand in and he tries to move some things around. He tries to get your attention and you can feel it. And you know he's touching your heart. You know he's going deep. But not even Jesus can override your free will you have to be the one to open the door. He can do a lot to move you, but friend, it's up to you to respond to His advances. In verse 6, I rose up to my beloved, to my beloved. Finally, finally, praise the Lord. She got up out of her seat, off of her bed. Here she comes. I rose up to open to my beloved. And my hands dropped with myrrh and my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh. That's like an oily type of perfume. Upon the handles of the lock. That's probably why she couldn't get it open as her hands were all oily. Right? She's trying to spin, spin, spin. Here's the problem with verse 5. She rose up and went to her dressing table whatever you like to call that, and got herself all dolled up. She sat down and starts putting on her makeup and getting the myrrh and the perfume and the oils and everything, and she puts that on before she goes to the door. That's the problem with verse 5. She thinks that her husband won't appreciate her as her. She's got to get all dolled up with all this extra stuff. What he wants is for you to go to the door. We can put the myrrh on later. The myrrh is that sweet smelling stuff that do, it does make a person more attractive. But we'll put that on later. First, get up and go to the door. Your beloved is outside waiting. He doesn't need the myrrh more than you. He needs you. Verse 6, I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. She gives commentary on what happened. My soul failed when he spake. That, my friend, is the cry of depraved humanity. That is it. That is the statement of all mankind. That is where all of our mistakes come from. He spake and our soul failed to do anything about it. My soul failed when He spake. I sought Him, but I could not find Him. I called Him, but He gave me no answer. She's now out there looking, hands dripping with the myrrh, but she can't find him. You know what we do? 
Lord, I, I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm, I'm passing out gospel tracts. I'm going to come to Bible school. I'll even stand up and preach sermons. I'll raise a godly family. I'm going to have a happy marriage. And, and we pile on all the good works and amen. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. Until you start doing those things in the place of fellowshipping with Jesus Christ. Now watch this. I, I want you to really grasp onto this thought because this is kind of the heart and soul of why I preach this today. Do we want you to do all those other things that I just mentioned? Yes, that and more. But it all comes down to one thing. If you are madly in love with Him, like you should be, all of those things are going to happen naturally. That will then be the outflow of this inward fellowship. No one will have to even remind you or force you or twist your arm. You'll want to do it because it's Him. Because my beloved is right here with me. Let's not confuse the myrrh with a, a, a relationship with Him. Sometimes we can put on so much myrrh, we're almost fooling ourselves into thinking, well, I must be walking with Him, look at how much I'm doing. We're not saying stop doing it. We're asking you to just check your heart and make sure you still have the right things motivating you or constraining you to do it. The love of Christ constrains us. Verse number 6, at the end, I sought Him, but I could not find Him. I called Him, but He gave me no answer. Perhaps this week this describes your situation. Maybe you've been praying about something and feels like God's not listening. Perhaps for weeks and months you've been looking for Him, but you can't find Him. And you might want to just look back to a point in your life where the Lord showed up and tried to get close and you didn't respond. Or you responded very sluggishly. And the Lord will pull away just to remind you of how special that moment could have been. In verse 7, the watchmen that went about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. What? This is the king's wife. Why are they doing this to her? At the end of verse 7, the keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. How is this happening? When the king's wife went outside, she knew it would be embarrassing to go out as the king's wife. And as she's looking around, they say, Pardon, pardon me, uh, madam, Mrs. Queen, um, what are you doing outside in the middle of the night? You're the king's wife. What are you walking around outside for? And what, What's the answer going to be? Yeah, I, uh, I lost the king. You did, you did, I'm sorry, what? You lost the king? Is he not in the palace with you? She knew that would be embarrassing. She didn't want to admit it. So you know what she did? She wrapped her face, and in biblical times to wrap your face was to dress like a harlot, a prostitute. And the only ladies that would be walking the streets in the darkness of night were ladies of the night. Skellum. Up to no good. That's why when they found her, her face was covered, they mistook her for a woman of the night and began to beat her and wound her. And then eventually the keepers of the wall, they come down off the wall and now they're converging on this spot. They found this wicked woman who's corrupting men. That's what they think. And they strip her veil away and they went, Oh! <gasps> Uh-oh. <laughs> you're, you're, um, um, you're Solomon's favorite, aren't you? Sorry. S sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> sorry for that. <laughs> you know the lesson you learned from verse 7? Whenever you fall out of fellowship with the Lord, it'll hurt. And it'll be embarrassing. And it's difficult to stand up and admit I'm not as close to the Lord as I should be. I've lost His presence. That's a difficult statement to make. 
But you know, when you get so desperate that you've got to find him again, you get back to verse 8, and this is where we close. I charge you, <clears throat> O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him that I am sick of love. She is wounded. She is beaten. She is embarrassed. And that will not stop her. She said, okay, I messed up. My soul failed. I heard him speaking. I know he was trying to get my attention. I didn't respond. But I am so overwhelmed by the fact that he loves me. I will stop at nothing to find his presence again. Not to be saved again. She doesn't need to get remarried, does she? She doesn't need to get saved again. She needs to get back in fellowship with her husband. And nothing will stop her. She has even asked, can I learn, put this out here to learn with you? She has asked other people to help her with the search. You know what that would be? Hey, pray for me. Please, please pray for me. My heart's gotten a bit hard, gotten a bit cold. Please pray for me. I desperately want to feel God's presence again. And I'll do anything, anything to find it. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and with heads bowed and eyes closed, you'll have a chance to do a bit of soul searching. But perhaps you can take that bold move, and I know it might feel a bit shocking to step out and come down, because what does that say? What does that indicate? Don't worry about what it looks like. You're looking for your beloved, whatever it takes. Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And let's take a moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. The pianist will play softly. The thing about being sick of love, you see, you, you can be sick of love because right now in this very moment he is loving on you so intensely you don't want it to stop so maybe this is a good time to say God please don't let it stop and if it's been a while since you felt that maybe this is a good time to pray and say Lord I want it back because from this all of our Christian service flows. It's because of a relationship with Him that we want to do all the other things. First we get close to Him, then we put on the myrrh. We don't put on the myrrh to get close to Him. give these a moment today perhaps you'd be willing to boldly say preacher I want to find him and I'm not afraid to admit that I need a little help just like the lady in our story she asked for some help Maybe you would be willing to admit today that the Lord has touched your heart and you're not even sure what to do in response to that. You just know you need to do something. I'd be happy to pray for you. And, and this is why, by the way, we do heads bowed and eyes closed because I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But I'm going to ask very specifically if you're here and you've never been born again you're not sure that you're saved I, I just want to pray for you I, I'm not going to save you or anything I just want to ask God to help you so if you're like that say preacher pray for me please I'm not sure that I'm saved would you slip your hand up you can put it up put it right back down I'll just pray for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I, 
right. I see those hands. Thank you. Amen. I appreciate it. Several hands. I hope today that you have felt the Lord knocking at the door of your heart. Friend, the next step is yours. He has come 99%. He just asked you to finish it at 1% of saying, Lord, I accept what you're offering. I yield to what you're doing. I want you to live in my heart. So if you're not sure today, if you're saved, right where you're at, you can talk to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, I don't want you on the outside anymore. Please come in. Come into my heart. Save me. Wash me clean from my sin. I want to have that loving relationship with you. The only way that that can be accomplished, friend, is because God sent His Son to die and pay for those sins that kept you away from God. If you want to be reconciled to God, you must come through Christ. So that's the 99% He came to bring you. Offering you the gift of God. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and we'll close the service. And if you do happen to have any questions that you would prefer to ask privately, you are more than welcome to come and find me. I'd be honored to talk to you further about the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for knocking at the door. How can you love someone like me, Lord? How can you love me that much? I want to thank you, Lord, this week for coming back round. How sweet that was to spend that time with you. Oh, Lord, please stay me with flagons. Comfort me with apples. Father, for those here today that perhaps needed a rekindling, needed to remember the first love, God, help us. You know we're, we're weak. We're easily distracted. Our love waxes cold. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us never to forget that great love wherewith you loved us. Father, those that raised the hands, and many of them did, continue to knock, Lord, until that door opens, please. As we dismiss, please do so. Lord, bless, bless us as we go our separate ways. Help us to enjoy our day with you and with each other. In Jesus' name. Amen.